Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here today. Amen. <clears throat> yeah, the children can be dismissed. Thank you. Um, before I start this morning, um, as I look around here, uh, I know that there's a lot of people that are here today that have worked very hard this week and have put in a lot of hours. And uh, so probably um, it's, it's actually surprising that maybe some didn't even take the, the morning off or something like that because there was a lot of work that went in here. And I'm so thankful. And I think everybody in this church is thankful for all of you. And uh, just very thankful for the uh, huge, and I mean huge, efforts that were put forth uh, this week uh, to try to, to, number one, glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, that, that, that was the main thing. And, um, but, but not only that, we glorified Jesus Christ by trying to, to reach our community. And um, so we had at least 30 opportunities to do, do so. And uh, if it was just one, it would have been worth it. Amen? And so anyway, I'm, I'm thankful, and everybody in this church is thankful for each other, for the efforts that went forth in this. You guys did an, an incredible job, and uh, I was just uh, glad to be able to get up and do my little tiny part uh, compared to y'all's part, that's for sure. Anyway, thank you, and uh, give everybody a hand if you wish to. <clears throat> thank you. All right. Uh, this morning, the, the name of my message is The Sunrise of Christmas, and um, as you know, um, in the Word of God, uh, sunrise and day spring are kind of one and the same, and so we're talking about day spring in some translations, and it's translated as a, a sunrise, and so the sunrise of Christmas is Jesus Christ, amen? He is the sunrise of Christmas. Uh, he is the dawning from the darkness, and that's what we'll be talking about this morning, I am going to be deviating from Romans and uh, for this week, and obviously next week we've got our Christmas program, and then we will continue with Romans after that. But this week we're going to talk about day spring, the sunrise of Christmas. And just to start off with, uh, in, in the, the passages that I'm going to be reading this morning, uh, it's important to note, I think, that there had been, from the time of Malachi uh, into the New Testament, there had been about a 400-year silence. From prophets, there had been about that, that we know of, right? That we know of that the Word of God shows us, and so there had been about a 400-year silence. And what I will share with you today is the the silence being broken. And of course, we know that in Israel there was a lot of things happening during that 400 years, like the Maccabean Revolution, and of course the incursion of of the Romans, and of course that affects um, our, our our gospel message, doesn't it? I mean, right on down to a, a Roman cross. But at this point here, uh, we will talk about the moment in time where that 400-year silence is broken. And uh, in the Christmas season, we celebrate uh, the fact that, that um, Jesus Christ came here to save the world from their sins, to be our Messiah. And um, we're going to be looking at right before his arrival. And uh, we're going to be looking at a couple today. I'm going to be discussing a couple, and the couple being Zachariah and Elizabeth and their son, John, John the Baptist, and we'll be looking at him as he came into this world. And his job was to do what? It was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And what, did, what does it mean to prepare the way? He came to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, here, here we see that he was actually sharing that the Messiah was here and the Messiah was ready 
to actually do the, the job of the Messiah that, that we know about. And um, so we'll be looking at that today. Now, let me just say this. God has a time for everything. God has a time for everything. Everything really is on his clock. We've got our calendars. We've got our clocks. We've got all of those things. But I just want to tell you the most important clock is God's, right? And so the thing that we will see today is the fact of the pronouncement of the coming Messiah. And his time had come to where on God's clock had planned on salvation and the payment for our, 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 our salvation to come to this earth, uh, Jesus Christ being fully God uh, and, and, and fully man and actually being sinless and living a sinless life and actually being the payment for our, our sins, uh, be the, being the righteous payment for our sins, for sure. And so we, we see that that time had come. And uh, also, I just want to remind everybody that there's another time that's coming. It's on God's calendar. It's on his clock. And that's when Jesus Christ returns to take us home, those that, that know Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did the first time that, that he came here. Amen? So, now let me just say this. No matter how dark times get, no matter how dark times get, and Lord knows we're living in dark times, I believe, now, don't you? Uh, no matter how dark times get, there's always that remnant of people or that group of people that are faithful, that are actually serving God. And the couple that we're going to look at today, Zachariah and Elizabeth, are listed as some of those people. Here they were in a very dark time in, in, in uh, Jewish history and, and in history altogether. They were living in a very dark time, but they were actually being faithful. They were serving God, Zechariah being a priest and, and, and um, actually serving God uh, in, in that, that form. And, of course, we see Elizabeth the way that, that she served also. And um, we know that they actually had and gave, uh, Elizabeth gave birth to, to John, and, and this is what we'll talk about today. So as you know, John actually proclaimed the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and not only just the, the coming of it, but salvation that had been prophesied for, for, for a, for the, since the beginning of time. And I think it's important to see, and, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing it, I was thinking about the fact that, that here we see that the Zechariah, we'll talk about his prophecy today and, and what he prophesies, but, but as we look at this, um, we, I just want us to understand that. We look at like Simeon and Anna, and then we look at, uh, at Zechariah and, and Elizabeth, and we look at those people, and obviously some people were getting the fact that Messiah was on his way, and in this case we see that they understood that Messiah was going to be here very soon. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas, right? I mean, that's it. And that's what we tried to articulate yesterday to the kids, that it's more than than a Christmas tree, it's more than, than the gifts under the tree, it's more than a, a good feeling and, and happy songs and those kind of things, which are totally wonderful, they're great, but the most wonderful gift that we can even talk about is the coming of our, our Messiah. Now, with that being said, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles. If you want to follow along with me today, I'm going to be um, preaching from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and I'll be hitting some other verses also. But I will be starting in Luke chapter 1, and in verses 5 through 7 will be the first two, uh, two or three verses that we'll look at here. In Luke chapter 1, and verse 5, the Word of God says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, 
There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both, and listen to this, they were both righteous before God. They were walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So she, didn't, she had not had any children. When we look at this, she had not had any children. And I just want to, this is kind of an aside, I guess, but, but I want to say that, that um, we see in the Bible so many times where um, so when a couple can't have children or something, it's grievous to them. Children really mattered to that particular society. And you say, well, they, they matter now, but in some cases I would say they don't. I mean, here we are, we see a grief-stricken couple here because they couldn't have children, and we see people today that just use children, uh, they, they see children as something that's in the way. God help us all, right? And so, praise God for her heart and, and that kind of thing. But now, when I talk about uh, the fact that they um, had not had a child, we will see in the Word of God that this was a source of their prayers. This was a source of their prayers, uh, similar to Abraham and Sarah, right? It kind of reminds you of that when you look at that. And so we, we see that, that it was a source of their prayers. But what I will say is, in, in, in uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth's eyes, that ship concerning children had sailed, <laughs> okay? It had sailed. It, it, they, they thought it had, it had gone away. But when I say that, we see here something about prayer. We see something about prayer. When we talk about prayer, we see that we know that, that, that in prayers that, that um, um, God answers all of our prayers. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is no, right? And sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's wait. I think, I think that when we see Zachariah and Elizabeth, I think they thought the answer was no. But what we will see is the answer was really wait. And it was really surprising because of, of the fact that it says they were advanced in their age. And so we, we look at that. Now, let's continue. Look at uh, verse 8. Now, while he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty. Now, I want to stop right here before I go any further and say this. That Zechariah was actually, uh, actually, in his part of being a priest, was actually working with the incense in the temple. A part of the prayer aspect of what was happening in their worship service. And when he was doing this, it was kind of for a priest to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And what I mean by that is, is they would actually cast lots and those kind of things, and, and they would determine who would be doing particular duties. And so this was his, his time had come to be performing this particular ministry. It was a big deal. It was a big deal for him. So this was a big moment for Zachariah as we see this. So while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, According to the custom of priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the hour of incense. And there appeared, and so here he was in here before the people had come in. And it says, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. Now, that's a good thing to know. Their prayer had been heard. And he's probably thinking, okay, what prayer was that? Well, here we go. And your wife, Elizabeth, 
will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So here he's getting the answer to his prayer, and he's advancing his age. So I don't, I don't know if it, if it had been me, I might have been like, excuse me? you you got to be kidding me. Uh, I mean, i, I got to tell you, um, I, in, in my life, I served as a youth pastor for, for 19 years. Uh, I have three daughters, and I love kids. I do. But you know what? I'm done. Woohoo! No, just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But now he's finding out, guess what? It's just getting ready to start. And you know what? Nobody really knows what their advanced age was, but man... It had to be somewhere near my advanced age. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so this is a, man, it's an interesting thing for sure. And it had to be an interesting thing for him. So um, don't, you think, don't you think it would be a startling thing for an angel to suddenly appear? Don't you think it would be a startling thing? No, no, I think that would be quite normal. How many people have had an angel? N- never mind. Nah, never mind. It would be startling. And here he was doing his job. Yeah, he was in the temple, and so it's like, well, he's in the temple, so you should expect an angel. Well, I, I mean, like I was in here praying on Wednesday morning, and when I was in, in this sanctuary here praying on Wednesday morning, no, no angel appeared uh, to me, and it ha- if it had, yikes. I mean, I would have been like a little trouble, and so he was too. So let's take a look at what this message was from this angel by the name of Gabriel. And I suppose that's where you get your name from, my brother, you know. One of the things that the angel told him, listen to this, one of the things that the angel told him is his son that he was going to have, it wasn't just that he was going to have a son, but that his son was going to be great in the sight of the Lord. His son was going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Let me ask you something. What if your job was to be great in the sight of the Lord? Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't that be awesome? And it is, by the way. It is. But wouldn't it be nice to know also when you had your children that there was an angel there telling you, I'm going to tell you something about the kid that you're going to have. That child is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. That would be a blessing, wouldn't it? That would be a huge blessing. That's a blessing that every parent would love to hear, right? That would love to see, as far as that's concerned. And so he gets this news here. Another thing that he tells him is that that his son would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he wasn't going to be allowed to have strong drink, therefore. He said his job was going to be to be filled with the Spirit, not to be filled with spirits. Right? And so when we see this, the spirits weren't to interfere with that. He was to be totally consecrated and led by the Spirit of God in his life. Wow, that, that guy, he had, a, he had a tough mission. Brothers and sisters, that's the mission for us all, to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit we're to be led by. And so when we see this here, we see that that, 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 that was his particular task, and it kind of tells us that because of that, we know and we look at the fact that, that of John's life and we pretty much say, say, I think that he accomplished this. Couldn't we say that? And so here it is. That's another thing that he said. And we see that the, the Word of God in concert with the Holy Spirit can get us through everything. It was the thing that John was to get through life on, 
And it's the thing that we're to get through life on. Being led by the Holy Spirit in concert with the Word of God. Listen, that's what we need. Of course we need food. Of course we need shelter and those things. But in order for us to get through this life as a Christian, just like John, is we're to be in the Word of God and we're to be led by God's Spirit. That's the thing that's supposed to be guiding us. And that was the thing that was going to be guiding John himself also. And so they, they also see that their son would prepare the way. When we talk about preparing the way for the arrival of the Messiah and, and leading people back towards God, it wasn't just like he was like busy building a house for him or something like that. What he was doing is he was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was saying that the Messiah is here for the salvation of souls. Now, before we talk about his response, let's look at verse 18. Drop down to verse 18, and let's look at a little bit more of this story. In verse 18, it says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? He says, For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. It was really nice of him, by the way, to say, He's an old man, but his wife was advanced in years. That was very, very safe, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just notice that just now, by the way. And the angel answered him. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now, I've got to tell you, this is a tough one. Just because he had lack of faith and suddenly he was going to be like speechless. He wasn't going to be able to, to say anything. Now, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, man, if an angel was going to tell me something, I would have the faith to accept it. If an angel comes to me and says something, I'm going to believe it. I don't know what this guy's problem is. Let me just tell you something. We're really good at pointing out the lack of faith of other people. We really are. Man, where's your faith, we say. Don't you have any faith? Zechariah, where's your faith? So-and-so, where's your faith? And I would say that so many times we're worried about where somebody else's faith is and where's yours, you know. Would we be really any different in his shoes? Well, of course I would because I'm so faithful. Okay, whatever. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and you can put this in your notes. And Hebrews 11, chapter 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whosoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. While we're talking about the lack of faith in Zacharias' part and our great faith that we have where we wouldn't be like him, let's look at what this says for just a moment. The first thing that I want you to notice is in order to have faith, you have to draw near to God. We have to be people that are drawing near to God. You can't draw near to God if you're not even born again. So job one, in order to have faith, is to have faith given to you. And then the second job, and this is the job of of every Christian, is for us to do what? To be drawing near to God. Why? Why? where we can have faith, because faith is the way that we get through this life. 
It's the thing that we have that that people without faith given to them do not have. In other words, a lot of people are going around scratching their heads a lot of times, whereas we're like, you know, um, I'm depending on God on this one, and and God's showing me how to get through this one, and, and God's been with me on this one. And brothers and sisters, don't take that for granted. But we see that we need to draw near to God. In order to do that, we have to do a couple of things that this verse says. Number one, we must believe that God exists. You go, well, of course, of course. Well, there we go with our great faith again by saying, of course. But please listen to the word of God for a moment and let it soak into your soul when you see that that we really have to believe that he exists. You really have to believe that God's going to be true to what God says in order to actually even be able to walk with God. And then the second thing that you see here is that God rewards those who seek him. Now listen, I can sit here and tell you that I'm a Christian. I've been born again, and so everything just falls into place, but it doesn't work that way. What I want you to know here is it's not just enough for us to be a Christian. It's not just enough for us to come to church every once in a while. But we have to actually operate in faith. We have to operate in faith, and that operating in faith is believing that God exists. And not only believing that He exists, but that He will reward us seeking after Him. Now, going back to John and why that was so beneficial for him to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by other things is because that's, in the Word of God, is John was to be delving into the Word of God and trusting the Holy Spirit's guidance in his life to do the job that he was being given to do. And once again, us as well. So, when we look at this here, and we go on into this story here, the angel reminds, the angel reminds Zacharias that if God says something, it's what? It's reliable. The angel tells Zacharias, man, when God tells you something, that's the way that it is. That's the way that it is. And I just want you to hear this this morning. When God tells you something, that's the way that it is. Excuse me. Ah, I'm glad that water's there. And I'm glad that that, there was one of the waters up here that hadn't been opened yet. (laughs) I don't know who's drank out of some of these things sometimes. But that one was fresh. So... The fact that, that, that um, Zacharias didn't trust the fact that, that what Gabriel was telling was reliable, he was struck dumb and, uh, and until the ful- fulfillment of the declaration about the, the, the son being born. So here he was going around all quiet and everything. Look at verse 22 of Luke chapter 1. And when he came out, that means out of the temple, after this meeting with this angel, Gabriel, when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. The people that were out there were like, Hey, Zachariah, good morning, Brother Zachariah. How are you? And all that. And he's like, You know? Uh, <laughs> he couldn't say anything. You say, well, He really was like doing something like that. Well, look. He was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. He kept trying to give them some kind of a sign language. He really couldn't say a word. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. 
he had to finish the rest of his job with unable to speak. How would you like that if you like went to your job and your boss couldn't speak? Wouldn't that be great? Never mind. <laughs> You'd be like, man, that'd be cool, right? But, but anyway, he went on home. And so um, let's look at the second part of what I'm going to be talking about today, and that's preparing the way or proclaiming light unto darkness and setting the captives of sin free. That's going to be the message that, that, that Zechariah prophesies when he can speak again. So what I want you to hear is this, is that, that, that whenever his son is born, he gets his speech back, and he immediately starts speaking truth at that point. You want to talk about having an encounter with God and God saying, listen, let's get you all set straight and everything where you'll say the right things. Does that ever happen to you? It certainly happened to me, and it's going to happen to him. And so he's going to do some prophecy once he gets his, he's going to be doing some prophesying when he gets his voice back. And he's going to say the right things. And it's going to be, listen to this, it's going to be loaded with faith. Loaded with faith. And that's what we're getting ready to look at here. As we we go on down through this, and and we look at this here, um, look at verses 67 and 68 in chapter 1. And his father, Zechariah, after John was born, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now, so we see that this happens, and we're going to look at some of the prophecies that he shares at this point. The first one that that Zechariah prophesies is that Jesus is coming to... to set those that were captured in sin free. Jesus was coming to set those that were captured in sin free. Now that sounds great. And we think, oh, hallelujah, and all that kind of thing. But let's really stop and think about this prophecy for a moment. This is a fulfilled prophecy that had been going since the beginning of time because God knew that we were going to have a sin problem. And this sin problem was going to do what? It was going to enslave every one of us. Everybody before they're born again is enslaved in sin. Sin is not a good thing. A lot of people say that it's a good thing, but it's not a good thing. And when one is saved, whenever somebody is born again, they are set free from sin and death. Brothers and sisters, this should not go over our heads. And while I'm thinking of it, um, I'm going to turn to to, um, 1 Peter And I want to read something to you here in 1 Peter, in chapter 1 and verse 18. You can put uh, 1 Peter 1, 18 in your notes. I want you to listen to this. For you know that you were redeemed, Peter says, for we know that we were redeemed from our empty way of life. Everybody before they're born again has an empty way of life. You might have somebody that says, my life is very full. But I want to tell you something. That that life without Jesus Christ is empty. There's a place in the soul of every person for Jesus Christ only to fill. And so, you were redeemed from this empty way of life. Listen to this. We have been redeemed from that. There's no reason for our lives to be empty any longer. And we've inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, 
but with with the precious blood of Jesus Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created for us here, it was his destiny to make us free. But was revealed at the end of times for you. And when was this revelation that we see? That's what we're talking about today. That's why we celebrate Christmas. His revelation of him coming to this earth. That's what we're celebrating Christmas about. Please don't let this go over your head every Christmas and and be taken away with all the other things. This is the main thing. And it was revealed at the end of times for you, for us, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So, listen to this, so that your faith and my faith and hope are in God. This is what it's all about. Our faith and hope is in God. And this Christmas... Our faith and our hope is in God, and that's really the thing that keeps us from being empty individuals. And so when, when Zechariah prophesies that Jesus was coming to set those captured in sin free, that's a big deal. That's such a big deal. That was such a proclamation. That was a huge proclamation for anybody that would listen to that proclamation. The next one that we see here that Zechariah uh, prophesied, he said there would be victory over our ultimate enemy. There would be victory over our ultimate enemy. Our ultimate enemy? Yeah, Satan, along with sin and death. Sin and death and Satan are our ultimate enemy. And listen, Zechariah prophesied because of the coming Messiah that his son was going to be setting the way for. This Messiah was going to give us victory over sin and death and over Satan. You say, wow, that sounds great, victory. But I want to tell you something. You think about where your life was headed before you were born again. You think about it. You look at some of the people that you love and, and some of the people that we know that, that sin and death is tearing their lives apart. You think about the fact that sometimes when we stray, what sin does to our walk with God, and it's terrible. And we think about how the devil, and some of you guys were seeing in your Sunday school lesson this morning, just how evil the devil and what a liar he is, and how we don't even need that. And we have victory over that. Now, you did not, we did not, I did not have victory over that before I was born again, before we were born again. Amen? And so we were delivered from Satan's power. But think about this, brothers and sisters. Not only were we delivered from Satan's power, that we became citizens of the eternal kingdom of heaven. Which means whenever it's our time to go, and that time comes for us all, it's just a matter of closing our eyes and then opening them and being in the kingdom of heaven that fast. I love that thought. i got to say that I heard Tony Evans, the first time I heard that, it was Tony Evans and he was talking about when we die as a Christian, it's a matter of closing our eyes like we're getting ready to go to sleep, and then when our eyes open, we're in heaven. And that's, that's our citizenship. We see because of this coming Messiah that, that he's prophesying about that we've been set free. How many people here today feel set free? You should feel very set free. 
Um, there should be such a difference between the time before you were born again and now and the freedom that you experience now that, that it's, it's so noticeable that it shouldn't be a question, right? And we're forgiven over the power of sin. We're forgiven. Man, that is something because I didn't do anything to be forgiven, did you? I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. Jesus did. Jesus, God, did this. And so when Zacharias prophesied there's going to be victory over our ultimate enemy, he was prophesying the fact that he was telling everybody that would hear, and we're hearing it now, that we will be overcomers over sin because of this Messiah. So the prophecy of the Messiah was being fulfilled. Now, moving on, verse 74. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 74, he goes on and says, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Fear is not anything that has anything to do with our faith and service to Jesus Christ. We can do it without fear. They can threaten us. They can tell us that we need to be quiet. They can say that bad things are going to happen. And it really doesn't matter. Because we're going to overcome because of Jesus Christ. So we can serve without fear. And we can serve, listen to this, in verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. You mean when we go to heaven? No. Right now. Right now. We can walk in holiness right now because of the Messiah. We can. We have power to walk in holiness. Well, I'm having trouble with that. Well, you're only having trouble with that because you've got to listen to the Word of God and be led by the Spirit of God, not your flesh. And we have the ability to do that. And we've been made righteous. People go, well, I'm not righteous. If you've been born again, you've been made righteous. In other words... In other words, brothers and sisters, listen to this. This is our godly opportunity. What an opportunity we have in our life for our lives to really count for something. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, man, I really wish I could make my life count more for something. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the opportunity. The freedom of salvation gives us the opportunity to serve boldly. Now, I said opportunity. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can walk around like Zachariah walked around beforehand and say, man, I, I don't know, I doubt it. Or you can walk around like Zachariah after God got hold of him and see it as an opportunity. When he got his voice back, man, it was time to pronounce the gospel. <clears throat> it was time to, to get after it. It was time to serve boldly. It was time to be set apart and righteous as a new creation. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you right now, it's not time to go back into sin. It's time to go on with the opportunity that we have and serve Jesus for the rest of our life. Boldly. The opportunity is now. Then in verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways. Listen to this. To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. In other words, his job was to share the gospel. How was he going to prepare the world, prepare the way for the Messiah? 
He was going to do that by sharing the gospel. Now we know the Messiah has come. Here we are celebrating it this Christmas season. But I want to tell you something. There's still people that have not seen and heard the gospel. Now, they, like we talked about in Romans, the invisible things of God have been clearly seen. But these people are also waiting for you and I to arrive in our opportunity to share the gospel. Just like John was to do. We are all, every last one of us, we are all born to share the gospel. Uh, no, the, the preacher has, or the Sunday school teacher has. No, every last Christian has been born again to share the gospel. So why? So the Messiah can find the sinner and save them too, just like Zechariah was prophesying about. The last prophecy that he, he gave was that there was the sunrise for the hope of all mankind's arrival was at hand. The day spring, the day spring, the sunrise for hope for all mankind's arrival was at hand. He was saying the moment that the world, whether they realize it or not, that they've been waiting for is at hand. When Jesus came, the moment that salvation was being completed was at hand. Hallelujah. This Christmas season, when we think about gifts, this is by far the greatest gift that anybody could ever be given. But I, it shouldn't go over our heads that it, I'm saying the sunrise or the day spring for the hope of all mankind was at hand. Why should that not go over our heads? It should not go over our heads because the sunrise means that it had been very dark. It is a very dark world without the light of Jesus Christ. The light of Jesus Christ is the light that everybody needs. In other words, without that light, people are in darkness. God help them, and God help us to shine the light to a lost and dying world. Amen? Verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, right from heaven, brothers and sisters, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Man, Zechariah is laying down some serious prophecy here, isn't he? Do you see it? Jesus Christ was coming to give light to those that were in darkness, to take them out of the shadow of death. But not only that, to guide our feet into the way of peace. It's not enough that you were born again and taken away from darkness, but it's, a, it's more to know that Jesus is guiding our steps each and every day. We know that sin takes the world to a dark place. Salvation is, listen to this, salvation is a way of life. It's not just, I'm born again so I get to go to heaven. It is a way of life. We are to not be in that darkness anymore. Now we are born again so we live a different way. Amen? And the light of the word is our guide. And this is our peace now and for eternity. Praise God. Put in your notes. And I'm going to give you a couple of verses to put in there. The first one is Romans chapter 13, and verses 11 through 14. 
Romans 13, 11 through 14. I've got a few closing thoughts I want to share with you that coincide with what I'm saying here. In Romans 13, 11, the Word of God says, Because this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is near to us now than when we first believed. I shared this verse on Wednesday, and I can't stop thinking about this verse, and so I included this in this message today. Do you see it? The hour has come for every one of us. Here's Zechariah saying the Messiah is coming. And salvation is arriving. And I'm telling you right now, our time has come. For us to do what? To wake up from our sleep. It's not nighttime anymore. Day spring. It's sunrise, baby. It's time to go to work. The night is far gone. Paul says. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We aren't in darkness anymore, so we shouldn't walk like we're in darkness. Nothing good comes from the darkness. You say, well, I like it when it's dark when I sleep. But we're awake, spiritually. Let us walk properly, as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness and not in sexual immorality and sensuality. Not in quarreling and jealousy not walking according to our flesh like we're in the dark, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How do I walk in the light now that I've been taken from the dark? Not to live the way I used to live, but to walk according to God's word and walk according to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth and their son. Here's another one, Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8 tells us this. For at one time, you were, I was, we were, darkness. Amen? We were. But now, we are light in the Lord. Right? And so now, we walk as children of what? Of light. We're, new crea- we're a new creation. We have a different walk now. Messiah has come. And he has saved us. And we need to walk in his light. And that's the prophecy that Zechariah was saying why the Messiah came in the first place. You know, John the Baptist and Zechariah and Elizabeth and their testimonies and in their words... Uh, would tell everybody who had ears to hear and eyes to see and had understanding of the Word of God that the Savior was coming to shed light on our darkness and to save us from our sins and the sin-darkened world, to set us free from sin. And so this Christmas season, man, it's, it's so much more than some of the things that we're doing, and it's all about the fact that, that the Messiah has come and he has set us free. Author Daniel Darling, who wrote a book about the characters of Christmas, says the message of Christmas, then, is not about manufacturing sentimental feelings in vain hopes of a miracle. It is about believing the reality that God has birthed something new in Jesus, and because of this, God will birth something new in you and in me. And the newness is breaking out. 
still today in the hearts of God's people amidst a broken world. Sinful, dead hearts finding life once again. Praise God. And in closing, one last verse to share with you. And this is in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. As we talk about John coming and, and, and being, uh, paving the way for the Messiah in this message today, he did his job, didn't he? And I want you to see something in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, this baby, this great, this, uh, doing God's great things was arrested. And we know what happened after that, don't we? But after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. John came and paved the way for the Messiah. He was saying that Messiah is coming and we look at Christmas and we see that he came and he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And then we see him here saying, he came for the sake of the gospel. He came for the sake of the gospel. He came to be the sunrise that took us away from our darkness. Amen? Let's remember that this Christmas season. Let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message today. And Lord, we pray that... that um, Every one of us, Lord, will have the same heart that Zechariah prophesied about and that we would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that this time now, Lord, we use to, to celebrate the coming of your son, Jesus, to be the savior from our sins, to give his life to make us righteous with his righteousness. Lord, I pray that that will be the focus of every Christian. And Lord, I pray that it'll be not just the focus this Christmas season, Lord, but I pray that every one of us will have that focus year-round and share the light of the gospel in a dark world every day. Lord, may we all share this message today. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they've been walking in darkness. Lord, I pray that the light of the gospel uh, would reach their hearts right now, Lord, that your Spirit and your word would go deep down into their souls and show them their need for salvation, the need for the Messiah to make them whole. Lord, have your way in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.